Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Frazzled with me, your host, Kelly Swingler. Thank you very, very much for joining me again. We've got lots and lots of regular listeners, and I am continuing to love all of your feedback. Um, and the fact that, you know, some of you are telling me you're listening in the car on the way to work. Some of you are listening as you're going out for a walk with the dog or on your own. Some of you are taking me to the gym with you. Uh, just thank you, thank you, thank you. Today uh, may be a relatively short one, actually, but I want to talk to you about eight truths about life that are easy to miss. Eight truths about life that are easy to miss. The reason I'm focusing on these particular eight things, again, I'm hearing and I'm speaking to lots and lots more leaders, lots of HR leaders, lots of burned out and exhausted leaders, lots of frazzled leaders. And comparison seems to be coming up a lot. And this is definitely leaving many, many more of us feeling frazzled, exhausted, burned out, fed up, um, like we're not enough. All of those things that just add to our stress, make us feel and just awful. So I want to kind of pick on, I want I want to kind of pick these these eight points that continue to be coming up over and over again with lots and lots of people that I'm talking to. And they're also, I suppose, being inspired by an email that I got from a coach that I follow called Rich Litvin. Um, if you've not heard of him, by all means give him give him a give him a follow on, on the social feeds. He co-wrote a book called The Prosperous Coach with a guy called Steve Chandler. Uh, I remember reading that book in my first year in business, really. So it was like 2014. And I remember reading that book and just getting so annoyed by it. It was one of those talking about comparison, right? And what, what makes us more stressed. But it definitely did that the first time that I'd read it. It had been recommended to me by some other coaches and some other people that I knew. Uh, you must read this book. You must read this book. And I read it and was just like, oh, my, like this is the worst thing that I need to hear as a new business owner, um, as a coach that is now kind of coaching out of corporate. Uh, I I just really struggled with the whole thing. The, the premise of the book, right, is the prosperous coach. So you'd kind of think, right, it's going to tell me all of the ways that I can like grow my coaching business to make it successful. And I mean, thankfully, I got my my first coaching clients within within a couple of months. I have my first corporate client within about a month of starting the business. But reading this book, it was like, oh, you know, the best way to grow your coaching business is just to coach. And I was like, right. How do you coach people if like if you haven't got people to coach? And I just remember getting more and more and more and more annoyed with it. But I have gone back to the book many, many times since then. I've understood it a bit more. I've looked at it at, at a, in a very different light. Uh, and I'm excited to see. I think Rich has got a new book coming out very soon. I can't remember what it's called now. Um, but I know I'm on the I'm now I'm on the wait list for it somewhere. Um, so if you do have an interest in coaching, if you are considering leaving the corporate space to start your own uh, coaching business, then perhaps take a look at the Prosperous Coach. 
And if you are already in your own business, then you might want to take a look at the Prosperous Coach if coaching is is your thing. Uh, I know for many of you, you're, if you those of you that do listen, that do have your own businesses, many of you uh, are continuing with a lot of the consultancy stuff. Although some of you I know from from those of you that I know personally are wanting to build a little bit more of the coaching, be it group or one to one. So Rich Litvin may be somebody that you would want to have a look at. So I said eight truths about life that are easy to miss is what we are going to be talking about today. The first is that seeking fame is an addiction. Seeking fame is an addiction. Some of you might be thinking, I don't want fame. You know, I just want to I just want to do a do a good job and I just want to be recognised for what I'm doing. But actually what we talk about, when we talk about this kind of fame, we do want to be noticed. We do want to be recognised. We do want to be seen and credited for the stuff that we're doing. But actually, if being recognised, if being known is the thing that we want, then actually the more that you, the more you have, the more you want. And sometimes the emptier you can feel. And instead of chasing fame, try to increase the amount that you give, increase the amount of impact, increase the, the difference that you make, the value that you add. This was a real kind of sticking point, but I've actually got a little, um, it's, a, it's a desk, I don't know how you describe it, it's a, it's a mini whiteboard that sits on my desk, it's got its own little stand. And at the top of that, I have written impact versus income, impact versus income. Because again, I think sometimes as a business owner, self-employed business owner, you know, my, my partner is now, is now running uh, the consultancy that I started when I, when I first left corporate. But it can be very easy to get sucked into how much money we're making, how much money we're making, how much money we're making and and where is the next lot of money coming from. And of course, I've got bills to pay. I've got a roof that I need to keep over my head. I've got kids that I'm looking after. Like I need to make an income. But what I've noticed even more is that the bigger the impact I make, the bigger my income. The bigger the impact I make, the bigger my income. And when I think back to my corporate days, it was exactly the same. The bigger the impact that I was making within my organisations, the bigger the impact that I was making as a leader for my team, with my team, the more promotions I was getting, the more opportunities were opened up to me. And then, of course, the more money was, was coming my way. And somewhere along the line, when I first got into business, maybe because of the groups that I was involved in, the networking groups that I was involved in, where everybody was was kind of talking about, it was all about the income. And I had begun to focus less on the impact that, that I wanted to make. But more and more over the last few years, and some of this we'll cover in some of the other points that we go for, but particularly as the world has changed to be much more social media focused in terms of you know 
coaches that we can trust, people that we can trust, who are we seeing more in our social feeds. And some people we know are just really great marketers. But also what it's what we're kind of seeing is the the famous people, right? The influencers, the people that are flooding our feed. And if we talk to some of the younger generations, I know, you know, my my 12-year-old stepson, for example, just wants to be, you know, famous on YouTube. I'm like, mm, and by doing what? How do you want it to happen? We've kind of got to this point of of this seeking fame and it does become an addiction. Like how many followers have we got? How many connections have we got? How many people are liking my stuff? How many people are re, re I was gonna say retweeting, but Twitter it's <laughs> just a bit there in it, isn't it? But like how many people are sharing our stuff? How many people are commenting? And again, you know, I've seen this morning um a post from from a, a fabulous contact of mine, a, a woman called Laura Ash. Both got very, very similar experiences of burnout and, and what it did to us. And we both get a lot of the same thing. You know, I really, you know, like I've been following you for ages. I really love your post. It's like, if you, if you loved it that much, where was the like, right? Where did you like it? And sometimes it feels like I'm in a complete shadow ban because there's no likes, there's no reactions, there's no comments to anything that I'm posting. And yet I'll speak to people, they're like, oh my God, like your stuff's just amazing. I'm like, where are you on my social feed? And of course, that's not what matters. But we can very quickly fall into that trap. So seeking fame, whether it's in our organisations, in our businesses or on our social feeds, is an addiction. The more we have, the more we want. The more you have, the more you want. And sometimes the emptier you can feel. If it's all based on your likes and your follow account. So instead of chasing fame, try to increase the amount of impact or value that you add. Try to increase the amount of love that you give or the happiness that you spread. Think of the impact. That's what's going to make you feel a lot less frazzled and a lot more fabulous. Number two. When someone looks confident on the outside, you have no idea what they're feeling on the inside. This is a truth that we can very often miss. Often it's much the same as you. And again, how many people do we know that just seem to exude this level of confidence? And very often, and again, I can speak from this from my own personal experience, very often this this confidence that tends to ooze out of people is, is, you know, can be a mask. Now, some people are just naturally confident. Or some people have learned to be extremely confident. But I guess that for the majority of us, it has become a mask to hide what else is going on for us. I know in the probably couple of years in the lead up to my burnout and probably the couple of years after based on feedback that I've had from lots of people, like I seem to be the most confident, capable person ever. And yet inside I was crumbling. And I think back now to how much of my energy was it taking me to wear that mask of confidence on a daily basis? How much more was that contributing to my burnout and my exhaustion and the length of my recovery from my burnout? So just because we see people look a certain way, we shouldn't assume that we know what's going on on the inside for them. And the same is, you know, this, the same is true for us. 
we can ask ourselves that question. You know, if we if we feel like, oh my God, I've got to really show my stuff today. Like, why? What? Maybe what is that masking? What is that hiding? What do we need to be doing from that point? Number three, there's nothing more important than keeping a commitment. There's nothing more important than keeping a commitment. There's also nothing more important than ending a commitment that's no longer right for you. And the truth is that you'll never really know which is the correct decision, which means that the only important thing is that you decide, you move on and you don't look back. And again, I can talk about this from from a personal experience perspective. I I left corporate again like 10 years ago. I still can't believe we're 10 years ago, but I left corporate 10 years ago. I knew that I wanted to be continuing to change the world of work. I wanted to do things differently. I wanted an ethical consultancy that showed that consultancies could be all about putting people first, not about profit first, not about performance first, but about people first. And a number of the consultancies that I had been working with were totally unethical and immoral and creating more problems so that they could charge to then fix them. I'm like, why can nobody see what's going on here? And it really began to kind of drive me insane. But I also had round about kind of 2015, when I was getting to the point of my second burnout, I had this, uh, I suppose, like just this kind of push-pull. Like I was getting so annoyed, like I didn't want to be associated with the HR profession anymore. It's like I'd had enough. I was sick of the people, I was sick of the way that they were being slagged off. I was sick of the way that HR weren't helping themselves. I was sick of seeing the same issues over and over and over again. I was fed up of going to meetings or running events a bit. Well, as HR, you know, we only come to the free stuff. Like, you know, our businesses don't pay to invest in our development. So I'll come as long as it's free. But as soon as there's a price to it, I'm not, I'm not doing it. And all I re- like genuinely all I wanted to do was, you know, was by that point, I wanted to stop HR getting to the point of burnout. But like HR weren't, weren't listening. And so I found myself in this kind of roller coaster for a good few years, actually. Like, I don't want to be working with HR, but I knew I wanted to work with HR. So who do I then work with? How do I then go? But the indecision was causing me more stress, was leaving me feeling more tired and more exhausted. And I've continued with some of that cycle since, like in 2020, I'd really had enough of HR. Like, now is the time for you to be looking after yourself. Like, why are you not listening? Why are you not listening? Why are you not looking after yourselves? Why are you not paying attention? Like, I don't talk about the fact that my first burnout made me seriously ill and my second burnout nearly killed me. I don't talk about that because it's a fun topic. You know, I see these incredible coaches out there, you know, that are talking about some really positive stuff. And I'm like, oh, like, here we are again with burnout. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing that for the good of my health. My, you know, my health has been shot because of burnout. I, I, it's an effort for me every single day to keep myself in a healthy balance, to keep myself in a healthy state. And again, 2020 came. All of this pressure was on HR. And most of, in fact, every HR professional that I was speaking to throughout 2020 were exhausted, continuing to push, continuing to put, and I'm like, oh, we're, gonna, we're just going to see burnout, we're going to see burnout, we're going to see burnout. 2021, 2022, guess what happened? 
HRH burnout. Many have never admitted that they're there. Many have never admitted that they've been there. But literally, I've had messages from people over the last two years that like, I'm now in hospital because I've had a stroke. I'm in hospital because I, I collapsed. I've had a message, it's like somebody was hit by a car because they passed out in the middle of the road. This is the, you know, and, and I hear this on a daily basis. But I still continue to cycle sometimes because I think HR don't care. And I know I can make an impact in that space. As I said, the impact is then obviously keeps my business going because the income comes from it. But it sometimes feels like I am pushing at a locked door with nobody inside listening. But I add to my own stress levels when I think, well, if it's not HR, who do I do this stuff for? Like, who's, who's going to listen? Where's it going to go? And sometimes I still cycle. Just maybe as you sometimes a cycle, like, well, I don't want to be in this job anymore because it's awful. But then tomorrow's a really great day. And you think, oh, I love it here. Never want to leave. Right, sometimes that can happen to us. But the most important thing is that we decide, we move on and we don't look back. Number four of our eight truths about life that are easy to miss. Number four, people's social media feed is their highlight reel. Everyone, and I mean everyone, has shitty, stressful days just like you. Again, I refer back to a family member. I had, uh, they were on maternity leave, they'd not long had uh, their baby daughter. I had spent an hour and a half with them on the phone they were like, I can't do this anymore. I can't cope. I don't know where I'm going. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't understand anything. And I, I could, you know, could hear the stress, could hear the, the panic, could hear the desperation. Was just listening. And by the end of the call, they were like, right, okay, so I, I, I need, to, I really need to speak to the doctor. Like, this isn't great. I need to get some help. Okay, brilliant. No more than two minutes after our phone call where I'd spent 90 minutes with them and they'd been crying, angry, upset at the bottom. You know, there were not really many emotions that they hadn't kind of touched on during this 90 minute call. And yet no more than two minutes after we had finished that call was there a picture of them with their daughter on social media making out everything was perfect. And for many of us, like that's the, some of us want to prove that our lives are okay. So we think, well, as long as I keep showing up and I keep, you know, posting my newly decorated house or my new outfits or my new job or my new car or, you know, my dinner, my lunch, as long as I keep showing up, everyone will think I'm okay. So some of us, I think, are trying to convince others. Some of us are trying to convince ourselves. But how many of us are really posting what it was really like for us that day? I do this, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying I, you know, I'm not one of these. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm in tears today and I'm going to post on social media. Because actually, if I am having a day where I'm in tears, the last thing I'm thinking about is, oh, I need to record this and put it on social media. But I might talk about it a couple of days later to say two or three days ago, I was in the shit. This was how I'm feeling. And now I'm OK again. My initial reaction is not I need to video myself crying so that I can share this on social media. But I will talk about it a couple of days later when I have come through it and when I feel able to talk about it. And again, I think if many more of us did that as well, my life isn't perfect. 
I still have huge down days. Again, you know, I'm living with three serious health conditions as a result of my burnout. Life is not all rosy, but I make the most of it every single day. I do my best every single day. And sometimes my best is sitting on my ass on the sofa, just relaxing all day because that's what I need. Some days it is a social media detox. I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be heard. I don't want to be interacting with people. And some days it's up at five, out walking the dog, doing my yoga, eating healthily all day, staying hydrated, feeling fabulous, working with incredible clients and feeling awesome. Some days it's being on stages in front of hundreds of, you know, hundreds of people. And some days it's struggling to get out of bed. So we need to remember that our social media feed is a highlight reel. Number five of our eight truths about life that are easy to miss. People, we've all seen this, I've seen them all over my social feeds, but people with little talent are often overconfident in their abilities. Yes, they are. High performers often underestimate or are highly critical of their abilities. Now, I'm a high performer. And I have very often for my entire life underestimated myself or my abilities or been highly critical of my own abilities. But if you're listening to this episode, you're probably far more competent than you realise. Maybe like me, you're a bit of a recovering people pleaser. Or you're a recovering you know, flying your flat, like, you know, I can't say I'm good at anything because people will think I'm egotistical or arrogant or whatever. Let's get those flags flying. I see it all the time. Some of the people that I see, particularly in my social, and again, many of them I have unfollowed because I don't want to see it. But some of the people that I see in my, and I'll say my field in the terms of either HR or coaching or burnout, I won't go too general as we are talking today, but some people, that they are brilliant marketers, but I know that they are not particularly great at what they do. And that's not me saying that. That's not me judging other people. But when other people that are like, oh, I worked with this particular person and I hear the same names over and over again. And even when I was consulting, I'd hear the same names over again. We started to work with this person and now we'd like to work with you. So in a lot of cases, I'm the, I'm the like the, the, I don't know, the picking up the pieces person. When other people have, have let other people down, which is, you know, in some ways is great. And in many ways, I'm the first choice for lots of people, which is, you know, which is also lovely. So people with little talent are often overconfident in their abilities. High performers often underestimate or are critical. Yes, yes, yes. You could probably relate to that one. As a leader, as an HR pro, your primary job is to get a good night's sleep to move your body to eat healthily and to spend time in nature I've put a post at the time that I'm recording this episode I've put a post on my social media feed to say how often do you schedule your time out did a recent talk to 150 HR leaders recently three of them regularly schedule time out for themselves during their week whether that's thinking time, creating time, doing time, admin time, lunch time, exercise time, three out of 150 schedule time for themselves. So it's really no wonder that so many of us end up burnt out and exhausted. You know, Forbes still reporting 98% of HR 
leaders are at the point of burnt. Like, it's no surprise. If only three people out of 150 are scheduling, time out for themselves. We've got a lot to change. So as an HR leader, as an HR pro, as a leader, your primary job is to get a good night's sleep, to move your body, to eat healthily and to spend time in nature. However, if you do these things, there is no guarantee that you will be successful. But if you don't do these things, even if you are successful, you'll be burned out and overwhelmed. You will be frazzled. You will be struggling. So whilst those things don't guarantee success, they do ensure that you will not be frazzled, burned out, overwhelmed and exhausted. Number seven, money will make you less happy than you imagine. I chased the six-figure salary for years in corporate and for the time of my life where I was at and being the main breadwinner and two growing twin sons and, you know, a husband that liked designer watches, designer clothes and all-inclusive holidays all of the time, plus, you know, he wanted a new car every year. I was chasing the money. The money came because I was making the impact. But money will make you less happy than you imagine. But it can be a good value neutral metric to assess the impact that you have. So your money can be a value neutral metric to assess the impact that you create. And as I said earlier, for me, it's impact versus income. I focus on impact first, income second. If I were to think back to my corporate days, yes, the impact was important. I genuinely wanted to be creating great, a great world of work for people. I wanted to be changing the world of work. I wanted to be doing things differently. I wanted to stop this Monday to Friday dying syndrome that so many people go through on a weekly basis. That was why I went into HR. And... It got to a point where I was chasing the money, chasing the next promotion. And that left me burned out, frazzled and exhausted. Made me seriously ill. And the second time it nearly killed me. And finally. Number eight. Stop reading books and lists of things to do to become successful. Stop reading books and lists of things to do to become successful and go and write your own. I'm going to leave you there for today. Thank you very much for joining me. I will be back with you again next week. But for now, I'm going to say take care. Have an amazing week and I will be back with you soon. Take care, everybody. Bye bye.